This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. Ooh, and I'm your fuck around, put up a triple-double coast, Javi. And we're going to go from very serious movie last week to now we're doing Coach Carter. <laughs> what do you mean? This is a very serious movie. Don't give me that. This is a movie that is 100% based on a story. <laughs> That someone told that may or may not be real. <laughs> what do you mean, bro? This movie is based on a true story. Yes, it is definitely a story where some uh, there was a man named Ken Carter. That part was true. <laughs> and there is a school named Richard High School in Northern California. And I'm pretty sure the guy that plays the cousin in in that one puppet show from Di- from Nickelodeon, which I barely remember, my cousin Skeeter. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. a real person as well. <laughs> well, <laughs> he wasn't only in Cousin Skeeter; he was in other things too. Not. I don't even know if that's the name of the show. Was it Cousin Skeeter? Cousin Skeeter was the name of the show, yeah. Okay, you're talking cool. about Robert Rich... Robert Rich... Richard? Yeah, Robert Richard. Yeah. Richard. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I knew cool. him I knew him because I know in the mid-aughts I used to watch like some of the shows on UPN sometimes and he and Kyla Pratt were on a show called One on One. It was like Flex Alexander... Uh, Kyla Pratt and 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 he was like the annoying friend that you know he, he was like one of the sidekick roles in that show. <laughs> 2000s UPN was a very interesting show. A really I, I, interesting yeah, I mean, time. I mean, in television. Yeah, well, because I I watched the stuff that was on there, like the one on one show, girlfriends. And then there was also like wrestling on Thursday night. That's what that's what was really night. funny about it. I was the little Hispanic kid that would watch a bunch of like you know like I love black television shows because it was around the same time as SmackDown. <laughs> but today we are tackling a sh- uh, 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 what sh- we should be proud of being a local hero of the story of Coach Carter. Now, yeah. so this Coach movie, Carter, takes, this movie takes place at uh, Richmond High School in Richmond, California. And for those who don't know, um, Javi and I—that's that's my that's our hometown, right? We grew up in Richmond, California, and we've lived there practically our entire lives. We did not go. To, I did not go to Richmond High. Um, you went to uh, you. Your school was right near Richmond High, but it was a uh, one of the private schools. I yeah, went to a charter we school. We would have been. The villains, if Salesian High School was in <laughs> this movie, we would be the rich white 
Catholic team that would have like looked down upon uh Timo Cruz and a young Channing Tatum in this movie. Yeah. You know what's funny? I don't know that that makes me think of um what's it called the Netflix series Last Chance You. They did a they did a season of that series on Laney College in Oakland. And it really made me laugh because uh, they they like super dramatized like City College as like their like rival school in that series <laughs> and made them seem like they were like the crosstown rich kids. <laughs> and I just always remember that I was like broke as hell barding to San Francisco City College because that was the school I went to. <laughs> I was like, I was not rich. City College <laughs> was the rich kids like the school that. Like had to fire the school that has by city ordinance had to stop charging people tuition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys are so evil, giving free education to residents of San Francisco. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's really funny how much every time whether you're watching a documentary um about events like documentaries are at the end of the day telling stories and it's always fun to see how through the magic of editing they tell stories um they they pick and choose which side you should care about and honestly they're whenever stuff like that it's not too different from one of these biopic movies where they at the end of the day these biopic movies are meant to be entertaining and they're supposed to tell a story and you know what? Fuck you for letting facts get in the way of a really good story. <laughs> you know what? Let's be let's be tr- let's be honest here. This is the, the, the okay. What has made this movie is the fact, like like this was a a thing. Like this was a thing that was out there. Like a movie that was out there, um, due to um, due to what happens later in the movie right which is the lockout the lockout Mm. that ken carter does for his you know richmond basketball team that was doing really well is what gets national attention um it's what makes the um it's pretty much the reason why the movie is made you know uh but, but i guess it's good to kind of like put it into perspective like what the time that this is coming about as well so Ken Carter was the rich was the um screen rant did a uh, did an article on this like back in September where they uh where where they I guess went back to this movie and they talked about the true story of Coach Carter and how much oh, of it is real. Yeah, and how much of it was real and stuff like that. And um so let's let's talk about the real life stuff, right? Yeah. Ken Carter is a former high school all American who went to Richmond High School and he was like, you know, he held like all the the scoring titles and assist titles at the school, comes back years later um, to become the basketball coach for the school. Uh, The movie depicts this as happening in 2005 because that's when the movie came out. And the soundtrack is very two. the soundtrack is actually very 2004. (laughs) Um, And... uh, so the movie kind of like, you know, changes it so that it takes place in the year that it was coming out. But really, he was uh, he came to Richmond High School in 1997 and the lockout mm-hmm. actually happens during the 98, 99 season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he does lock the gym, I guess, like, you know, it's kind of like a, like it, it was, it was something to get attention from his players and, and possibly attention from the staff in the school. Um, the movie dramatized it again. He didn't leave the lock on there because the basketball team isn't the only, <laughs> they're not the only people who use the gym there. So it wasn't completely closed. Um, Imagine this- being Richmond High's band, which is also <laughs> a very successful program, which I have yeah. witnessed with my own eyes. And you're like, hey, we need to practice coach. He's like, fuck you. Get away from my gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, no, the chain didn't stay on the door as Angel said. <laughs> no, all the students that are depicted in this movie are fictionalized. Um, none of these were real people, despite the fact that they do like the. Well, despite the fact is, despite uh, all of them except for his son Damien, who does actually. I was about exist. to say he doesn't even have a son. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> he does have a son. I know, but it's as i've been learning because i've been listening to a lot of podcasts about like like uh you know controversial trials it's the burden of the prosecution to prove anything i say like so i can just say whatever i want and it's up to ken carter to prove me wrong um richmond high school did have a freshman squad this movie like just depicts them as only having one basketball team but um ken carter coached a freshman, a junior varsity, and varsity teams. And according to him, all of these teams uh, were 13-0 and at the time of the lockout during that season. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became such, you know, like national news that the then governor, Governor Gray Davis, called him a hero and actually came to the first Richmond high school uh, basketball game after the lockout ended after they had, uh, I guess the students had improved their grades. But but besides that, I think a lot of the stuff is just, it's mainly just a story to tell. Right. And also just, I think this is one of, I really love this performance by Samuel Jackson. It's nice Mm. to see him play this kind of character. And this isn't the first time that he plays like a teacher. He's in the movie one eight seven with Clifton Collins, which I think is, crazy movie and i think one day we should do on this podcast one day um i know for real you know okay (laughs) it's really important to take what we see on this film with a grain of salt as with every biopic but specifically with one like this this movie is not here to tell a factual story it's here to tell an inspiring story and that's kind of like the point of a lot of sports movies sports movies are kind of meant to inspire that the the depending on who you speak to depending on what local richmond person because here in richmond everyone knows somebody that knows somebody that that played for coach ken carter yes Um, i actually when i was when i was in high school i took a um I took a night class at the local community college, like for for additional mm-hmm. credits, and uh, some of the classmates that I had in there were apparently younger siblings of one player who played on his basketball team. Friend of <laughs> but, the show, but I remember him having. Sorry, I just remember him having like a like apparently a negative experience, and him thinking of Ken Carter as like some guy who really just wanted national attention. <laughs> friend of the show eddie 
Um, no, he has a friend that whose cousin grew up out here in Richmond, played high school ball under Couch Ken Carter. One of my friends that I grew up with, his cousin played at Richmond High under <laughs> Ken Carter. Um, uh, my. I don't want to implicate too many people because uh, there is a lot of people that have a not so favorable opinion of Ken Carter. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that think um, I'm not going to paint to, you know, go. I'm not here to disparage the man's character, but he did not make a lot of good, a lot of a lot of lasting uh, relationships here in Richmond with some of his players. Mm. A lot of people have negative connotations and negative memories of their time playing for him. So, that being said, some people think that he fell ass backwards into something because he could not control his players at the time and tried something drastic to get their attention, which accidentally got him national attention, which he just rode the wave to making a lot of money and selling I- movie rights. I well so, that and then he call, he also kind of parlayed it into a career now as a, as a motivational speaker like that's what he does now he now just he doesn't coach anymore he travels the country now giving motivational speeches, um, which you yeah. know hey good work if you can good work if you can get it and um I, I yeah I I tend to agree that uh that I'm not sure it was it was intentional uh, all the attention that he ended up receiving of this and it really is like where he pivots to the second part of his career once he's done uh coaching because yeah yeah we're not we're not here to disparage any person no. and, and we're not here to I I, I don't know him personally <laughs> yeah we're just here to talk shit about the movie we're just reporting what we've heard from people that we know or know of you know so, so we will say allegedly all of this has been allegedly relayed <laughs> to us by second and third hand sources. So I'm not going to say it, it has not affected my opinion of him. I just know that for a fact that this movie is an exaggerated uh, depiction of stuff that happened in real life. Like this isn't it is this it's is an exaggerated in, depiction of Richmond as well. And we're talking about the city. I can't wait to get into those parts where I'm like, hey, Angel, do you remember that local burger shot that every Richmond kid wants? No, and I'm going to get this out of the way now because I'd rather do this before we get into this movie. Because we're going to have to accept this for the premise of the movie. But this movie was not filmed in Richmond, California. It was filmed in Long Beach, California. And it very clearly is L.A. <laughs> like it just it is la and uh mm-hmm. and for those who don't know there's there is a distinct difference between how you know there's there's a distinct enough difference between bay area cities and 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 la and like those la cities that 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 you can i spotted it right away obviously it's just my hometown right so i'm like yes this is not my hometown but they do it all the time right like you and i reviewed godzilla on this podcast and they're Mm -hmm. in air quotes san francisco when it was clearly like shot in vancouver so it's that kind of stuff happens all the time um i think most recently there was a joe coy movie um called easter sunday that's about like his filipino family that takes place in daily city that was also shot like somewhere in canada that doesn't actually take place in daily city which is a small city outside of san francisco it's just again most of the time 
or something like Scream 6, right, which is in New York, supposedly, but it's actually shot in Toronto. So it's it, you accept it. It is the movies. So I will accept the fact that this city that is very clearly not Richmond, California, is Richmond, California, for the sake of this movie. What is really funny, though, is that there's a scene later in the movie where some of the Richmond High players end up getting into it with... <laughs> with players from Pinole and and mm -hmm. and I just look Pinole is a it's I'm not going to say it's the nicest safest place you've ever been to in your life but it is a relative suburb compared <laughs> compared to <laughs> compared to like the Iron Triangle area of Richmond what you, know? you mean homie what's saying <laughs> what set you bang out in the mean streets of Pinole <laughs> And I don't know if there's another high school besides Pinole Valley. Is there another high school in Pinole, or is it just Pinole Valley? That's um. There's yeah. I mean, there's John Sweat. I think is the last big high school, and then he got right. PV. Is there anything in Rodeo? No. Huh? No. Nope. All um, right. Anyway, let's not turn this into a into, into a we're just discussing Richmond, California podcast. <laughs> I mean, might as well. Like, it just lends itself because this is such a. It's one of those things where it's like you and I grew up in Richmond in the nineties, and also we understood how important sports was around this time. Because I mean, let's be real, nineties Richmond into the early aughts was pretty grimy. Unfortunately, there was a lot of there's a lot of gang activity. There's a lot of drugs, and there was a lot of like I I will say at least the movie kind of captures that. Granted, they dramatize it, but um, but yeah, like it's one of those things where it's like they do you know that was kind of the reality of the city. No, because the year after this comes out, oh six, and that was I think I was in my junior or senior year of high school. But in oh mm -hmm. six, I think is when Richmond was actually the the per capita murder capital of california like it it, it had reached that point <laughs> in, that's in that fucking year. crazy like that's crazy to think about now there's people riding bikes on 23rd street for recreation i mean like it's it, it's gentrifying a lot slower than like oakland and san francisco have but you know you see it now and you know you almost get the feeling that you know where Richmond is heading. It's going no. to be another one of these gentrified cities. I got to do my part. You know what that means? <laughs> I'm going right. to start a street game. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into this movie now. <laughs> uh, start. Remember, remember, do your part, kids. Pop off a couple shots in the front yard. <laughs> Keep those property values down. <laughs> Uh, but I'll say this, I think Richmond, quote unquote, is kind of a, it, it's a, it is a character in the movie. You know, the, the, the city where the kids live is part of the reason that drives everything, right? It's why mm -hmm. the high school basketball team is so important in this movie is because it keeps the kids out of trouble. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, that the Ken Carter in this movie is, you know, has such an attachment to the school and such a deep desire to help these kids uh very you know it very much in some ways it's it's like it's stand like and deliver. yeah it's something like stand and deliver because even the kids the kids in that movie were dramatized as well like it is mm -hmm. based on real life things but the story is compressed for the sake of telling a story in the movie and um 
you know, who knows, people who may have actually known that teacher in real life probably have a lot of different opinions about him as well. So <laughs> yeah, they probably thought he was nowhere near as handsome as Edward James almost. <laughs> um, so he, he the movie starts with uh Ken Carter showing up to the high school uh to watch uh Richmond High. And I don't think I've seen this movie lots of times growing up. I didn't realize like I always thought that he was there like to talk to his old coach about possibly taking the job at Richmond. I it 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 blew my mind this time how much I hadn't realized that the reason why he's there in the beginning is because Richmond Hyde playing St. Francis and St. Francis is the school that his son is playing for in this movie. Which mm-hmm. I don't think St. Francis is St. Francis a real school? Because I don't think it is a real school. I don't think so. The only no. equivalent I can think of is St. Vincent St. Paul, which is um based out in like kind of like going towards Vallejo, past that area, kind of into Napa. Mm-hmm. That was the only one I can really think of. Um, unless, like I like I said, unless my old alma mater, Salesian, is supposed to be standing and be evil. <laughs> but um, I think it's it's very possible that it's the, that it's St. Mary's. It, you know that that could be the high school. I, I feel it, like yeah. I've re- I feel like I've read that somewhere. But anyway, not not important yeah, <laughs> for not the important. sake of this. Um, so he goes there and you see like all the players, you know, after another loss, which I guess Richmond high school's putrid in this, uh, their basketball team is putrid, uh, and they get their asses whooped by St. Francis and they're all sitting there fighting with each other. It is so 2005, by the way, mm-hmm. not actually the nineties because, uh, the star player for St. Francis is a guy named Ty Crane, who apparently they can, they don't stop referring to him as the next LeBron James, which reminds me, like, this is 2005. This is two years only after LeBron James entered the NBA, and he's, like, mm-hmm. in his... God, it's, like, it's almost his 19th season now, pretty much, at this point. <laughs> the old man still has got it in him, which is freaking... No, crazy. no kidding. He 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 went in the 3 draft. We're in 2024. Probably about 20, almost 20 years. Um, since he entered the league, so mm-hmm. or it's really crazy to think about. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it it always makes me roll my eyes when he goes, <laughs> he goes, but next LeBron James, I'm the only tight crane. I was like, man, how'd that work out for you, buddy? I always remember this character from this movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that cringy line. Uh, so all the players, you know, which includes uh Jason Lyle played by a very young Channing Tatum. Um, and, uh, like, also, uh, geez, what's his name? There's another, the, the kid who plays uh, Kenyon in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Brown. Rob I know Brown, yeah. Him, yeah, I know him mainly from, uh, there's this movie where he is in it with uh, Sean Connery. I guess Sean Connery is like an old writer or something called Finding Forrester. And uh, he's the star of that movie, so uh, oh, okay. I, like, I know him from that. They're the two. They're the two actors that I that I know. And then Rick Gonzalez, who plays Timo Cruz, I know because I've seen him in stuff after this as well. So yeah, he was like an um, old school. He played the character. He played a side character named Spanish. Uh, <laughs> he he was in Reaper. If anyone remembers, I actually loved Reaper. I, I don't know if you ever watched it. 
But it was like no. a Kevin James, like a producer. Uh, he's in it. He's like the main character's homie. Um, if he's he, in the he was in the final few seasons of Arrow as well. He was um, in Roll Bounce. Do you remember Roll Bounce? Yes, I do remember Roll Bounce. It's another <laughs> one of the movies from this era that, like, that yeah, that that I have. I remember watching while I was in high school. God, <laughs> uh, we need we need to do a special like we need to every, every couple months we just gotta visit random movies from the early odds because they really are a fever dream <laughs> dude yes uh, it's it's, it's... alright well anyway <laughs> we we move we, he, he sees that all the players uh, you know when, when Ken goes to visit, see his old coach you see all the players getting into a fight in the locker room and even though he like is not going there to tell him that he's gonna coach Richmond I guess seeing all those players fight with each other <laughs> made him feel like he had a responsibility to these players. So later he's sitting in his living room with his girlfriend and they are discussing, you know, he's discussing if he's going to take the job or not. And, uh, dude, and, and he's doing it for a thousand dollars for a five month commitment. <laughs> God, um, the nineties was a crazy time because they might as well have set up a bajillion dollars. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, obviously, he he has his other business, right? Which is a store. He owns a sporting mm-hmm. goods store, and that is his main business. And this is more of like a side venture. Even though, for anyone who has ever coached any kind of sport, it is a it is a it is a significant time commitment, no matter no matter what. So, I know, and that's just like you and I just coach at the recreation level. I can't even imagine getting like paid paid for this to be your job. <laughs> Yeah, or doing anything like like a high school sport, like coaching a high school sport, is is much more time consuming and intense. Um, and so he also he shows up for the first day of practice, and he invites all the players, and he kind of lays down the ground or the ground rules for how the season's going to go. He talks about how everyone's going to talk to each other with respect, referring to all his students as or all the students as sir. And he expects to be uh, treated the same way. And this is where he introduces the now infamous academic contracts, which requires all, uh, all players to sit at the front row of their classes, maintain a 2.3 GPA, a C plus uh, grade point average, uh, to wear, uh, I believe it was like suits and ties on game days. And... Yes, which for our younger listeners, um, around this time in the NBA, that actually was a thing. Like mm-hmm. where where they were they they the David Stern, who was the commissioner of the NBA at the time, was enforcing dress codes for uh for the players. And the main reason being, for those who don't know, um, I think it was in two thousand and three, in two thousand four, one of those years, um, there was an incident uh at a. Detroit Pistons game, uh, which is now infinitely called the Malice in the Palace, and it was a the the Indiana Pacers and and the Detroit Pistons got it like they were fighting each other, they were fighting the fans, and it was like one of these things where like right after it happened, like in a nationally televised game, mm-hmm. like ever it was wall to wall coverage, and I oh Ron Artest was involved. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. And um, but but the thing about it too is like I think it's one of those things where it's like it wouldn't be handled, or this kind of stuff wouldn't fly today the same way it flew the, then I guess because oh, yeah. you know obviously now it's like 
we understand that 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 enforcing some kind of a dress code on a group of primarily black players is not <laughs> the optics of that are terrible and it implies that they are inherently criminal by nature which is the one thing that you know that as an education like you know as someone who works in education you don't want to do that <laughs> yeah um, i mean obviously back then because even up until when i was in high school uh our basketball coach was pretty old school about that he was very much like players um so a lot of the basketball players would wear suit and tie or uh at least dress shirt and tie on mm -hmm. game day so that was like because the idea was just like looking respectable and stuff but yeah like you said there's a weird connotation to it I mean, I was lucky. And by now, that player. feels ancient, right? So it's like, oh, yeah. because now that we don't have those kinds of things. And just in general, like, I mean, it's a thing where, like, even at my daughter's school, they enforce uniforms and they're always talking about how you're supposed to dress for success and blah, 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 blah. But at the same time, it's like you're an adult and, you know, you work office jobs and stuff like that. And most of the office jobs that I've worked in, pretty casual. <laughs> and then it's, it's weird like... that they have enforced dress codes like that. And then it's like, it's crazy how world-changing pandemic can come around, and then all you're wearing is just sweats and basketball shorts <laughs> the rest of your yes. life. Coach Carter would never let me touch, sniff the, the court, because, you know, all I really own now are, like, jeans and t-shirts. <laughs> and even, like, the, even a lot of the button-up shirts or the, like, you know, more casual, like more like I guess business e stuff that I wore. I just don't, I don't wear it anymore. <laughs> I think Coach Carter wouldn't let me touch the core, but he would definitely keep me around for comedic effect. <laughs> All right, Coach, I'll give the I'll give the pregame speech, John Lopez. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. So as well, you know, at this point we get uh kind of we get some infighting. Immediately from Timo Cruz's character. Uh oh wait, no, that's the name of the character is Timo Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> he immediately starts pushing back, saying that uh he's the leading scorer of the team. He doesn't need to sign uh anything to which uh Coach Carter ends up just kicking him off the kicking him off the team and kicking him out of out of the um off the court. Followed by two other players. So pretty much. Yeah, the two other players were the leading scorers. Uh, Timo's the first one to leave. Um, he, because he gets into it with Coach Carter, but the other two guys are, or, yeah, we're not going to sign these contracts. And, and they're the ones that leave and we don't know who they are. Kenyon's the one that says, oh, they were leading scorers. And that's what mm -hmm. he is. Well, I guess we're going to have new leading scorers this season then. I was and, pretty, I was like, that's a good line. Like, if someone yeah. ever says that, that's a good way to respond to your players. Just like, well, one of y'all better step up. Yeah. <laughs> and so begins the training montage to prepare this team uh, to get ready. Um, Oh, no, this he, is still the initial practice. It's it's just the initial practice where he's basically teaching them conditioning. Oh, like the conditioning anything. they have to do yeah. is just, do you guys like running? No? Well, and I will say this. I, I love that everyone looks like a grown-ass man in this movie, <laughs> except there is one guy in that first practice that's wearing either like an echo shirt or a south pole shirt and he has oh my god like, the fashion in this takes me back 
<laughs> I'm gonna be on my deathbed remembering this fashion. <laughs> he's a little chubby looking Hispanic kid. And I'm like, yes, that is the most correct looking person that should be on this team. Look at this movie. Representation for all. Oh, I I saw that kid and I'm like, it's me. <laughs> I was the chubby Hispanic kid wearing Echo or South Pole. Oh my god. Or we're Fubu. Oh god. Okay. No, I don't want to go down this. No, stop. But I do like the scene after this, uh, after you see all the players and they're all exhausted from all the conditioning that they're doing, and then you're now seeing them like in their lives outside the court. They're all hanging out at some local hangout spot that doesn't really exist. <laughs> but they're all hanging out at this spot, and that's where we get introduced to Ashanti, who is in this movie as well. <laughs> um, she, dude, these people are all like 30 years old. <laughs> I'm like, why are, you, why are you people, and why are you all here? We find out Ashanti's dating uh, Canyon, and yep. they're actually waiting for a child. Yes. Um, so we find out that Ashanti's pregnant and that uh Kenyon feels obligated. Well he, he it's not that he feels obligated, it's that like he's struggling, right? Like that's the big um struggle that he kind of goes through throughout this movie where it's like he's he wants to be there, he wants to be a good father, uh he wants to be there and, pre- and prepare for this child, um as as Kira's kind of really excited. But at the same time, he there's the nervousness of like the unknown because he still wants to go to school, uh, he still wants to live his life. Um, and up and and you know uh, as of right now, he's playing on a losing basketball team, but uh, he so he doesn't even know what his upper ceiling could possibly be, as we learn later on as the film uh, progresses. Um. Mm. And meanwhile, like, yeah, more dated references. Um, you know, she but she's super excited. She ends up buying the baby like little little basketball shoes, and then uh Kenyon's super <laughs> he thinks they're adorable and gets super excited over it. Yeah. It, it, this this scene also introduces me to uh, <laughs> to my my favorite character in this movie this time watching it, and that is Jerron Worm Willis, uh, played by the actor Antoine Tanner, who uh, I've seen him in other stuff besides this. Like he's done uh, guest spots on other shows, um, like the like the Parkers, I think. Um, and uh, I also remember watching The Wood, and he has a scene in The Wood as well. <laughs> but his 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 lines are all zingers <laughs> when he goes to <laughs> the two the two friends, uh, Kira's two friends, and says, uh, "You heard about that two for one special?" He goes, two of you, one of me." Now that's special. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, when I was when I was like looking into this movie, I was surprised to find out that. Uh, that the actor Antoine Tanner uh, apparently he was he was arrested in April of 2009 and mm-hmm. accused or charged with uh, knowingly and intentionally transferring social security cards with intent to defraud and apparently like pleaded guilty to it and uh, and I think he was given a jail sentence so mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of a few months like sent to federal prison for some kind of fraud so. 
but that's but I I don't think he's had any kind of it brushes with the law after that. But that's weird, <laughs> weird thing to to look out to to look up and find out while I was looking into this movie. Do we need but to do an? But his character, do, but his character we, is my favorite. Do we need to do an actors of Coach Carter? Where are they now? <laughs> no, <laughs> it feels like holy shit. That's way crazier. No, let us not. <laughs> oh god. Um, so yeah, after, uh, so after Timo ends up leaving the team, um, Damien actually wants to transfer from St. Francis to Richmond High, uh, much to, uh, Car uh, Coach Carter's, um, I guess opposition, doesn't really want him to do it, doesn't want, definitely keeps trying to convince him to change his mind. Uh, but Damien says that he's only ever played under Coach Carter, and it feels weird not to play under him uh, for his uh, freshman year. Uh, also, also pointing out that at St. Francis, he's riding bench as a freshman, as opposed to if he went to uh, Richmond High, he would actually get a chance to play some starter minutes because of uh, the talent gap. Um, so much to and he and he. Damien refuses to accept no as an answer, eventually getting uh, Coach Carter to sign off. So he shows up to uh, school the next day, all dressed up, <laughs> all dressed up in his suit. Then he got the scene of him meeting the rest of the basketball players and everyone just kind of like picking on him for being dressed up and not knowing how to get around the school on his first day. <laughs> what a nerd, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> So he ends up making the switch. Um and due to the training that Coach Carter puts on the team, heavily focused on keeping them conditioned. Um, the Richmond uh basketball team starts going on a bit of, of a tear early on in their season. Uh the first game of relying on their better conditioning to kind of outplay the team going into the fourth quarter uh if we have fourth quarter. Um and as Timo watches on, you know, he, he's always giving the team, um, always give it, you know, always, he's always in the stands talking shit, telling him, oh, Pinole's weak anyway. <laughs> oh, he is, he is a top tier hater in the early oh, part of the zoo, which I, I kind of like to, I, I didn't appreciate him being overly, overly, uh, negative towards Lyle for a while, though. <laughs> I love his top tier hating. He was just like, y'all ain't even that good anyway. Oh, y'all just losing the bad games anyway. <laughs> just like not giving them anything. Uh, but what ends up happening is um he continues to uh kind of fall in the street life, eventually hooking up with his cousin Rennie to uh start dealing drugs out on the streets. Um where we and we get that scene where uh Lyle and I think it was was it Worm or was it um I forgot who Lyle was with that um that uh Timo rolls up on him and uh scares the shit out of them <laughs> acting like they were he was about to kill him out in the street. Um but Lyle like gets super angry about it and uh, he ends up offering, or Timo ends up offering the the dudes a ride, but Lyle ends up uh kind of walking home, 
Um, but yeah, it's like around this point that uh, Timo starts wanting to make a change and actually, um, and eventually he asks Coach Carter if he can join the team again. Uh, however, uh, Coach Carter gives him an impossible challenge that he gives him a week to try to to, to complete. So what do you give him? It was like a thousand suicides and like a thousand push-ups or something like that. And he has like a week to complete them or something. And he, you know, he does this with the intention of uh, kind of breaking Timo and uh, just kind of making it like kind of showing him the consequences for how he was picking or mm-hmm. how he ended up picking himself over the team. Uh, but the team ends up staying late after practice to start working out uh, with Timo to, so that he can complete uh, however much he had left. Um, Teamwork. Yeah, because they, they're they starting to learn to care about each Well, no, that's the thing. They always cared about each other. They were always all about the team. But this is like where they started learning discipline and accountability and whatever other Lessons buzzwords are being learned whatever other buzzwords stupid coaches it's 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 generic sports movie stuff right and oh, yeah. uh being someone who who likes sports movies even though i think it, i under i recognize the ridiculous nature of it i just eat it all up <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> oh man so um uh, one thing to notice about the movie, about this movie, is it does kind of jump around from a lot of scenes to scenes. There's a rather, lot of montaging, yeah. A lot of montaging, so it kind of makes it uh, difficult to really kind of keep a, a note in order for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other scene of note before going into them really going into like the 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 sports montage um that I can think of is with the the scene with uh oh my god why am I blanking on her name um oh Shanti no 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 uh Octavia Spencer there we go oh yeah that's right remember mm-hmm. the parent scene that's the one I wanted to cover before we go into that mm-hmm. so at one point uh the parents are completely like you know after reviewing the the student uh the student contract they're pissed <laughs> which was very interesting the way it's portrayed in the movie because the parents very much have this uh, this uh mentality of let the kids play like why are we mm-hmm. like who cares they're they're kids in a broke in a broke town in california like let them let them have fun and play basketball um so we do see that there isn't it kind of like paints this really rough portrait of a city where everyone's given up on these kids which which i get it i get that in some ways it is like that and i do know that around the time that coach carter was in richmond high school that the graduation rates were very low and the college admission rate was also very low but i think it's it becomes one of those things where because it's such a genre of film you're like, yeah, I've seen this in countless other movies. I just I've seen Octavia Spencer. Like, oh, I love seeing her in this. Yeah, and this is like, this is like six years before or, or so before she even wins the Oscar. And uh, 
it, it's it's interesting to see her. She plays Oscar Grant's mother when we did Fruitvale Station, which is much more of an authentic, like you know, uh, Bay Area film that's actually mm -hmm. based on a real event that is almost brutally uh, realistic mm -hmm. um, in its portrayal of a true event. <clears throat> so, yeah, I always appreciate seeing her <laughs> in these in in any movie that I see her in. Mm -hmm. So um, the team continues bonding and they keep training and improving. Um, uh, you know, we get some, we get, I, I believe, I guess it's here where we get the, the scene where, um, <laughs> where Coach Carter learns that no one signed the uh, contract. And that the teachers haven't been giving them their, or the teachers finally gave uh, gave their progress reports, and he finds out like a bunch of his students are failing. Oh, and that I comes later. That Is comes, it? yeah, because it's, they go on the win streak, um, and during the win streak, they get invited to a. Um, is it before or after? No, it's after the... No, the, the... so the first thing he does is after he gets the contracts, he goes to meet with the principal and asks the principal to follow up on the things that he asked for, which was to get progress reports from the teachers. Mm -hmm. She mentions, oh, yes, that's right. That's interesting scare tactic. I'll ask him about it when I'm in my next meeting, blah, 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 blah. And she kind of blows it off. But she does actually talk to... I guess she does actually talk to him about it because a little bit later... They get invited to a uh, to a tournament in, um, right. in Southern California, which they're already in Southern California. But but, it, <laughs> but for the sake of the movie, they get invited to to L.A. Uh, to a Southerner, tournament. Uh, where they, yeah, where they win, where they win a, a trophy. They're all staying at the Safari Inn, uh, which I've actually stayed at before. This was a real I don't know if it's still around now, but it was a real hotel. And I remember mm -hmm. staying there once, like when I went to Disneyland with my family. <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, I've been there before. It's a pretty decent place. Um, so they um, when they're uh, at that uh, once they win that that tournament, they are invited by these uh, girls to come to a party, like a mansion party. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, all the players sneak out of the hotel and end up going to get drunk and like laid <laughs> at this uh, mansion party. Um, Coach Carter finds him there, the uh, finds his son them. there. They all get in trouble. Yeah, they're all, it's all white girls. <laughs> pretty the boys much. saw snow bunnies and they started acting up. And <laughs> you got drunk ass Damien dropping laps. Being like, yeah. woo, we're number one. And then Coach Carter comes in super pissed. Yes. He comes in with like the girls who I guess threw the party, like with her parents. <laughs> and oh, then the funniest God. part of it is when he's like collecting all of his players. And then you look up at the balcony and you have like worm with nothing but a towel on. I was like, this is so terrible. <laughs> I mean, normally I'd be like, wow, this is wildly inappropriate. But these children are children in air quotes are all clearly like 35 years old. So. <laughs> <laughs> Go start a family, uh, sir. And like you said, this is the so this is where the most accidental, accidentally hilarious point of the movie happens. 
Yes, because when they come back and they're like arguing on the bus, uh, by the time Coach Carter gets to his office, that's where he finds a progress report. And he finds out that all of the students that, you know, on his team that he thought were doing really good, apparently there's there's a fair amount of them that aren't showing up to class, haven't been completing their assignments, and they are failing to meet the terms of the contract. It is uh, the, I, I love how he dramatically reaction. just throws the paper. <laughs> his reaction is as he's looking through them. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> It just like chucks it across the room. <laughs> I was like, oh, what human reacts like this? <laughs> it it is an accidentally hilarious like scene, and it got it tickles me every time I see it. Uh, but now this is kind of the crux of his legacy, right? Because as he's furious at his team not being able to hold up their end of the bargain, he essentially sacrifices what's left of their season, um, locking up, you know, locking up the gym uh, and directing everyone to study hall until they start uh, getting their grades and getting, uh, get, essentially getting their shit together. Um, at this point... <laughs> Timo quits again. Never. I would not player quit quit twice and then bring him back the second time. Again, this is all just like story stuff um, that you have to accept for the sake of uh, the story that they're telling. But mm-hmm. it, it, when you're following Timo, like they introduce that Timo has a cousin who he's like dealing drugs for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he buys he buys stuff from his cousin uh, Remy and Rennie, and then he sells, and then he gives the money back, and clearly that's how it works, right? So, um, and then you get the scene <laughs> where they you get the scene where the where the players get uh they they get uh you know heckled by the by the Penol students, and uh, that's when Timo shows up with a gun, and uh, and t- apparently he's like. You know, waiting for Rennie, who's taking a phone call at like another street corner. And mm-hmm. you know, again, there's no there, there's no spot in Richmond that looks like this. It's very clearly Los <laughs> Angeles. But again, it's the movie. You accept it for what you accept it. But I'm just like, I think because I lived there and I grew up there, I'm just like, it is so weird seeing this place be called my hometown when it's not my hometown <laughs> at all. But. uh Especially since, like, you know, half the kids on this uh, basketball team have, like, New York accents. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but Ashanti and uh, Rick Gonzalez are not able to hide those New York accents. <laughs> yep, and it, yeah, what do you mean? We have a strong New York population here in Richmond. <laughs> Get off me. Um, Get off me! <laughs> I'm walking here! Um, yeah, so Rennie gets gunned down. And uh, Timo goes there, and uh, and he's like, you know, screaming in the street because uh, Rennie is dead, and uh, you know the players are there, and that's when he shows up at at Coach Carter's house, asking him to come back on the team the second time, and that's like, you know, the scene where it's it finally clicks for him, and even throughout the entire movie, you have uh, Coach Carter asking him, "What is your deepest fear?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I dude. That uh, that inauguration speech from that, for those who don't know, um, the the quote and the the little you know monologue that uh, that uh, 
Timo gives uh, later in the movie is from the inauguration of Nelson Mandela and mm-hmm. the, the essential end of apartheid um, in uh, the essential the, the essential end of apartheid and uh, what's it called? I, I just remember like when I was in high school, I had to I had to um, memorize that speech. So every time that I hear this speech, it like reminds me of the fact that that I had to memorize it, and I do remember some of the uh, some of the lines in it. I'm not going to recite them here, but I but oh, I do coward. remember this speech. Angel, <laughs> is Timo based on you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Get off me! Get off me! That I mean, you have you have hidden your New York accent very well over the. I was not an athlete, and anyone who knows me knows I am a minus athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, Coach Carter decides that, um, he's gonna stay on, uh, stay on as coach, um, and right they, you because. Know, when he puts the lock on the library, and uh, that's when they're when the city turns on him, they demand that they reopen the gym, and it becomes such a problem that it becomes a school board meeting that they all have, and essentially the school board like votes to end the lockout. Which that's when Coach Carter says, "Well, if, you know, this is going to end, and I won't be here." And um, and that's when you get the scene when he's in the he he walks into the gym and all the players <laughs> for some reason the players who are studying in the library to try to help get their grades up um have have you know have stuck to it and said that hey if 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 they can unlock it but they're not going to make us play we're all a team so we're all going to do this together mm-hmm. and um you know, they, but and I thought it was very dramatic of them to like bring all the desks into the gym <laughs> It's what do you mean? You've never been a part of a team. I did that all the time. <laughs> no, actually, the the closest thing we came to doing this was when we got into a fight. Like we got in a massive team brawl with another high school football team during <laughs> during a preseason game. And so the principal brought like the entire varsity and junior varsity team into the gym. It was like, who wants to talk about this weekend? And just all of us agreed not say anything like without mm-hmm. talking about it. That was true solidarity. <laughs> because as a matter of fact, we witnessed some crimes that weekend. <laughs> oh man, but Meanwhile, we haven't even been talking about the B plot, which is that this entire time Kenyon and Kira like broke up. I think, dude. Yes, it, it's yeah. We we super haven't talked about it because it's like I feel like Kenyon and and Kira are like the only people who really have an actual storyline. Like all the other characters, all of their scenes revolve around Coach Carter. <laughs> well, there is battle, right? Like Junior. Mm-hmm. There, there's Junior Battle who has kind of the story where it's like his brother was killed, so he plays basketball. Then you find out he can't really read, so they teach him to read. Which yeah. I, I hate this trope. I am because he plays center. I'm tired of picking the big motherfucker and be like that. The guy doesn't know how to read. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but you know, hey, I mean, like I did go to school in Richmond, and um, I I did have kids in my grade. 
who it wasn't that they didn't know how to read, but they struggled, right? And oh, yeah. I and I do know a lot of people that I went to school with that had a lot of undiagnosed um learning ADHD disabilities too. So all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So screw it, you, freaking no child left behind act. God damn. <laughs> um yeah so that that's where you get the scene of octavius spencer who who plays his mother and mm-hmm. she goes to coach carter's store and also like you know it begs him to let him go back on the team same mm-hmm. deal but again yes as you said it really is Kenyon and kira who are the only characters that have like their own uh thing like apart from it so clearly Kenyon is a good student he's uh clear he's got a college future that's going to be coming up and it includes playing ball um and Kira's dealing with the you know pregnancy and they have her kind of like you know being someone who who has you know a sister who's got you know kids already at a young age and her mother who possibly could have had her at it like at a younger age it's um I'm not crazy about the characterization of her character as being someone who's so kind of oblivious to like how difficult things are going to be <laughs> when mm-hmm. she has a baby. I, I'm uh, that portrayal is a little, uh, it's a little not great for me. Now, I'm not saying that they portray her stupid, but it's just like I feel like it's she's more interested naive. in it's yeah. more yeah it's a it's a little naive, and they're more interested in telling the story of the male players or the male characters in it. So she's she's. Uh, her character is underserved by the plot. And it's um, all right though, because she has a magical abortion where she feels no pain or guilt or any sort of repercussions. Um Yeah. Okay, movie today <laughs> would not deal with this in this way. Um even Baby Boy, which we covered on this podcast, like deals with like you know the, the the there's the frustration and the hurt, you know from the from an abortion and mm-hmm. and it at least deals with at least has a little bit of complex feeling about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I hate the phrase magical abortion, but it is kind of how it feels in this. I, um, I hate saying it, and I coined it just now. <laughs> yeah. It's um, one of those things where they literally it feels like the writing staff was like how can we get this character to a place where everything's fine? Oh, just abort the baby, man. Just you know, delete us the fetus and everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's really that... bizarre because around this time that the movie was coming out, like Ashanti was a pretty big star. Like she was in stuff. She she does this and I think John Tucker must die like within the next like year, like around mm-hmm. this period as well. So it's so bizarre to get like someone who's a star and and kind of give them a role like this. <laughs> yeah, she's completely uh, sidelined. Yeah. Like it has really bad characterization. Her her naivete just... her naivete is what causes them to break up. And then mm-hmm. you get the scene at the at you know at the dance where like they like argue, but I guess they're they're gonna be cool again. And you know, it's it's yeah, and it's. I find it unlikely that these characters would want to be together, especially after an abortion. But you can do it, put your back into it. Sorry, that song kept playing. <laughs> That's all I can think of during that that dance. <laughs> Why? That wasn't even the song that was playing. Was playing it? What song no, was it? Was by Ella Cool J. Uh... Are you mixing this up with another movie? Probably. Were you? Did you watch this movie? 
I did watch this movie, I think. <laughs> you made up your own plot to this. It, it's like your drive where you basically <laughs> made up what you thought happened. Okay, first of all, I confused one oh fuck me for confusing <laughs> one mid-2000s hip-hop song for another. You created an entire ending in your head. <laughs> this is nothing like Drive. You can kiss my ass. Wow. Oh, man, but it was... It, apparently, they go to Sacramento and everything is... Yeah, everything's perfectly fine. I, I yeah. We'll talk a little bit more when we find out where are they now <laughs> through the end credits. <laughs> um, but pretty much this now with without worrying about Kenyon having a kid, um, we go to state quarterfinals matchup against St. Francis, uh, where the team faces their final, you know, kind of in a chance to like redeem themselves. And uh, you know, going back to where it started, they're playing. Um, it looks like in San Francisco, what is supposed to be San Francisco, <laughs> mm-hmm. where they end up playing um, the bridge. Yeah, so I think Godzilla up- does it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's I don't know where like what exact stadium it's supposed to be or where what exact uh, arena it's supposed to be. I'm assuming Cow Palace. What? No, no, no. It's supposed to be the um, it's San Francisco State. San Francisco State University is what it says on the wall. Oh, really? I thought I saw something with the Warriors. That's why I'm My assuming. friend. It was the Warriors color because it was yellow and blue. But I think, but isn't that the color? No, yellow and purple are yeah, the yellow colors. And purple Gold and purple State. are the colors for, for, for San Francisco State University. Whatever. Like, this movie gives a shit about. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. <laughs> So anyway. This movie doesn't give a shit, so why should I? <laughs> so, <laughs> so as the game progresses, they end up drawing up plays. Um, that using well, that was a big a big thing, right? Was Coach Carter naming all his plays after his sisters for different his quote unquote sisters? Um, but in a uh, final attempt. Unfortunately, they are unable to beat uh, St. Francis as the next LeBron James. I, f- I already forgot the kid. <laughs> uh, he's able to... Uh, I crane. Thank you. <laughs> as he's able to kind of... And the other, the, the other ongoing story in this is that Junior Battle is always losing to Ty Crane. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was the unknown. That was like the unforeseen rivalry was Ty Cray versus Junior Battle. Um, but Ty Crane's able to uh, essentially win the game at the end. Also showing a lot of respect to uh, Junior Battle um, for uh, being able to just you know play him as hard as he did. Uh, Coach Carter. Um, talks about how great this team is and how much he loves and respects them uh, with their, and how they kind of like push to achieve more than just what was on the court. And the movie ends with the team coming out after the game, uh, celebrating with the entire like school community as we learn what happened to everybody after the, um, after that season. And my favorite part is it ends <laughs> Fucking, what was it? Hopeful. 
That movie is from, I mean, that song is from this movie. It was on the soundtrack of this movie and written specifically for it. So oh, I love it, it lives on now as like a TikTok trend <laughs> where it'll so it'll basically like play in the background and it'll say, you know, and it'll it'll involve someone saying, Oh, you know, I'm about to do this or quote unquote about you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like saying you're about to do something, and then you get the then you get the freeze frame, and then the subtitle like basically says you did the opposite of that. <laughs> I'm not drinking tonight. He got fucked up. And he's, as a matter <laughs> yeah, of fact, exactly. he shit his pants. <laughs> oh my god! So roll credits. That's the movie. I... <laughs> Dude, All right, did you take notes on what happened to every player? Like who did what? Like I remember. I remember. I, I just remember, remember Damien goes to Damien goes to West Point, which is a military <laughs> academy. That fucking nerd um, would. Kenyon, you know his last scene where it closes his story out. He takes Kira with him, and he goes to on a basketball scholarship to Sam to Sacramento State. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Lyle it says went to San Francisco State and played. Uh, Worm, I forget what call. I think it goes to Long Beach. It says mm-hmm. uh, Cal State Long Beach or something. Uh, yeah, it's 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 you know it's the end of the movie. And <laughs> before I I know well, we can get into it after. But Javi, <laughs> do you like Coach Carter? Fuck no. Oh really? <laughs> this movie's fun to talk about, but no, this movie is also really trash. I don't know. Like I'm also debating. Part of me, it's it's like the more I watch it, maybe I need to watch more more sports movies. But I feel like I feel like the editing's super weird. The pacing's kind of weird. This movie, it feels like a series of vignettes as opposed to an actual like scenes. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of this movie. Surprisingly. And I think again, it goes back to the to the point of us being from here and having such like knowledge of the story and knowledge of the uh, possibly strong opinions too. We we have some strong opinions and kind of knowledge of kind of the area, what it was like. Where I'm just like, it just feels egregious. <laughs> they film in Long Beach and try to pass it off as Richmond. Like this is such a unique city. And it definitely has a look, but I mean, people don't know about it because it's so uh, it's, you know, you think about it, it's like an afterthought, especially when you're talking about the Bay Area, even mm. though, you know, culturally, there's so much that Richmond has contributed um, to kind of the Bay culture. But that being said, this is just like, if you want a movie that is paint by the numbers, safe sports movie that takes zero chances. This is it. I kind of agree with that, yeah. There is nothing about this movie that tries to change anything in the sports movie formula. And maybe there's not much you can change in that formula. So I'm also like, don't want to harp on it too hard. But this just feels very meh. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's hard because we've watched other sports movies and we've reviewed other movies. And it's like man 
like just the way some of those movies are filmed or just like the way some of those movies are written it's like no this could be better and it just sucks because it feels like it was a disservice um and i'm like comparing it to something like remember the titans which came out you know comparably around the same time and probably had a similar budget because i mean Mm, you can remember the titans was like five years before this wasn't like oh one Mm-hmm. yeah like so, 2000 2001 but i think i think that deals with a lot more like serious like social issues mm-hmm. and, and, well, this movie and, was and it had a better to. cast this movie was definitely trying to <laughs> and i think they and i think someone thought that they were going to knock something out of the park here and that they were going to say something and they did not <laughs> they did not <laughs> they, they should have just stayed seated all right at the very least we got hope we got hope out of this and that's the important part. All right. So I do, despite the fact that I've been making fun of it with you, and we've talked about like our feelings about how it portrays the town that we grew up in, I have to admit, this movie, I have nostalgia for it. <laughs> I watched it in theaters when it came out in 05. Uh, I bought it on DVD as soon as it came out. And I've seen it so many times. And it's actually a, uh, it's actually one of the, one of my favorite Samuel L. Jackson performances. And I know that it's one of his favorite performances as well. Uh, apparently he and Ken Carter did become friends um, in the process of when he was filming this and, and coming up with this movie. So, um, and it was a good opportunity for, for Sam Jackson to play a, a different kind of character than what he normally plays. Right. Like, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't all about him like yelling profanities at his players in fact he's like the guy who tells them not to swear <laughs> so it's almost very counterintuitive to a lot of uh to a lot of later uh sam jackson roles mm-hmm. um yeah, and i you think know what? this is I... probably his 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 i i think this is a big like moment for him to try to play uh again a little bit against type Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't think about that. Sam Jackson did do a pretty good job in this movie. I want to thank Sam. you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. Um, we appreciate you guys, uh, you know, leaving us reviews, leaving us uh, um, ratings on Apple Podcasts, leaving us ratings on Spotify Podcasts um, for interacting with us on our social media pages. We're doing the best we can to try to post a little bit more regularly on social as well. Um, and we're also just very excited uh, that we've really settled into this uh, 2024 schedule. <laughs> and we hope that, uh, you know, all of you guys who have suggested the movies for us for this year are happy to see some of the movies um, being reviewed on the show. Um, so, uh, next week, we will be jumping into a newer film again uh, because we're going to be going into just last year, the movie that you and I have both seen already and are finally going to talk about on the show. And that is the uh, the new Toho Godzilla Minus One, which is a Godzilla reboot that came out last year uh, that takes place in post-World War II Japan. And yeah. I... I'll say this much before we get into an episode of this. Um, it brings Godzilla back to its roots of the 1954 original. And I'm very excited for us to talk about it uh, next oh, week. <laughs> After getting a break into something that's a little bit more silly, 
uh, it'll be it'll it'll be a thing to go back into something that's a lot more dramatic <laughs> again. Hold, hold on to your dookie. It's about to get spooky. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm I'm excited. Um I love Godzilla and something about existential crises of the past year has been a big theme in the last year. So it's going to be really interesting to connect that with the Godzilla film. Yep, so um yeah, hope you guys will come back to listen to that episode of us, uh, that episode next week and we'll talk to you guys then. Later y'all.